Uh, Luke chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be in verses 12 through 16. Um, and I'm going to read this. Uh, it, 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 it says this, uh, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation today. Um, if you if you have your Bible, and it, it may look just slightly different than what you got, but it says this. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. And when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me. Everyone say, he's willing. Yeah, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out and... And touched him, and he said, what? I am willing, he said. Be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Let's pray today. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your kindness. God, there's just a sweet presence in this house today. God, I don't think it's by accident that we sang about the blood of Jesus, and I don't think it's by accident that you've orchestrated this service in the direction that it's going God, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to just uh, mold our hearts this morning. God, soften our hearts for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that it goes forth in power and might with anointing, God. God, use me how you see fit today. God, have your will and way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. I want to talk to you guys, and thank you, Kentley. I want to talk to you guys about on this simple subject of be clean. Everyone say, be clean. I was uh, I was hoping I would be able to get this. There's a when me and Tristan were, uh, we had Zaylee and White. They were both both really young, and uh, I think Zaylee may have been around three years old. White may have been around one ish. I don't know. But I was at work, and uh, and while I was working, Tristan was watching the kids, and uh, she got preoccupied doing something. How many of your moms ever get preoccupied sometimes when you're when you're watching your kids? And uh, the kids got quiet. How many know when the kids get quiet, something's going on? I love, I love when you go to like a, 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 a mom who has a young child, and you can be having a good conversation. With, like they invite you over for dinner. You can be having a good conversation, and they're like, hold on. It's too quiet. And they'll go walk, and they'll go look around and, and figure out what's going on because they know something's not right. But uh, in, in this process, Tristan was, was preoccupied, and I wish the projector would have been able to work today. Uh, uh, but Zaylee had gotten into the cupboard, and we had a container of flour in there. And she got this flour, and uh, she was old enough to do it. Wyatt, you were just a victim of circumstance there, buddy. He just happened to be there. And they began to take this flour and rub it all over the floor. Rub it. She would put it on Wyatt's head. She put it in her hair, and there was flour everywhere. And Tristan, you know, being a mom, she got a little curious. It got really quiet. She walked into the kitchen, which had been clean, and there was flour everywhere, including all, all over the kids. I wish I had a picture of it. And I remember, uh, you know, Tristan, you know what she did? This is how good of a mom Tristan is. She didn't get on to them. She went and got a camera and took a picture of it. You know you're a good parent when you do that, right? And so uh, I wish we had that picture today, but we do not have that picture today. Maybe one day I'll just flash it up there just for Zaley and Wyatt, Wyatt's sake. 
And, uh, and, but anyways, and, and so Tristan, she said, oh, now I got to clean up this mess. Anybody ever spilled a bag of flour? It is very hard to get it all up. It gets in the, the cracks of, of, you know, everywhere. It, I mean, it, it just kind of just goes everywhere. Well, she took the kids after, you know, and kind of getting them, and she put them in the bath. And guess what happened when she put them in the bath? Little dough, dough balls began to form all over them when she would try to. So I want to just talk to you about being clean today. Everyone say, be clean. And, and so thank you. Man, I love that. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, I'm going to read again. It says, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And verse 13 says, Jesus reached out and touched him. He says, I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. How many know that when Jesus touches a situation, he changes it? Amen. I want to talk to you, and I don't want to exegete uh, leprosy today. I don't want to. I want to break down leprosy. We don't really hear about leprosy so much in America. Leprosy, leprosy is still a thing in, in, in a lot of foreign countries and third world countries. But leprosy is a skin ailment. Uh, it was highly contagious uh, during during biblical days. It's still highly contagious, and it was so dangerous that people uh, thought to have had leprosy were not allowed in the city. Kind of sounds like you know, kind of us and our our you know, hey, you got to social distance here. You got to be away from each other. They were not allowed in the city, and lepers, uh, you know, matter of fact, lepers when they went into the city or when they were passing by someone, they would have to yell, unclean. Just so they would know, hey, I have leprosy. You might want to give me a little bit of distance here because if we rub up against each other, you might have a chance of getting leprosy. And, and they were called unclean, and if they were healed by law, they were supposed to go through this cleansing process um, that the Lord had orchestrated in Leviticus 14. If you need some good reading and you can't go to sleep at night, Leviticus 14, you can read about that cleansing process, which included shaving your head. Some of us are not that far from doing that. Uh, shaving, it meant uh, shaving your head, and it meant, uh, this is the one that I like, shaving your eyebrows. Uh, it meant uh, washing their clothes, and it meant bathing in water, as well as a list of atonement sacrifices. And I want to make a comparison with leprosy today because, uh, you know, like leprosy, uh, oftentimes with any small ailment or skin ailment, or if you get a rash, it starts small, right? And sometimes if it's untreated, it can spread, right? It's what happens with leprosy. It starts small. We may not even notice it, and it may start really small. And we might even be able to cover it up, right, if it's in the right right spot. Nobody knows about it, but leprosy is similar to sin. It starts as something small. And oftentimes in our lives, sin starts as something small. And small things left unchecked can quickly turn to life-threatening situations, right? And, and, and that's what happens with leprosy. And it'll spread causing, oh, you guys better buckle up. It'll spread, talking about leprosy, causing infected pus pockets and blemishes on the skin. Everyone go, ugh. And when this, uh, when this disease is spread at its worst, the leopard would oftentimes lose appendages and their ears would fall off and their noses and would start to rot and their skin would begin to rot. Everyone say, look at your neighbor and say, that's pretty gross. 
But like leprosy, sin starts small and it spreads. And it oftentimes can, you know, be something that we can hide at first. But if we keep doing it, it begins to spread into our life. So, so we can, and oftentimes we can live with them and we can hide them and no one will notice our condition. We become infected and next thing we know, we, we spread, it begins to spread on us and then we get around other people and it, it may even spread to them. And, and then we start losing parts of us and sin, this is what I know about sin. You've heard me make this statement many, many times from this pulpit. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. For the wages of sin is, all right. So like, like the lepers, sinners uh, are and uh, have been pushed, you know, oftentimes we, in church, church realms, not our church, and I, and I pray this is, isn't our church, but I'm going to tell you this is an easy mindset to get into. Oftentimes in church, we forget that this church is a hospital, not a club sometimes. This is a place for the sick and the afflicted and those who are struggling. And oftentimes, sometimes, unfortunately, some churches, uh, they like to push and keep the sinners out. Like, much like they did with the lepers there. They kept them out of the city. They kept them away from everybody because they were an issue to them. And, and listen, it's not our job as a church to keep the sinners out. Our job is to compel them to come. Amen. And so that is our job. And so, and this is what I love. Jesus is the friend of sinners. You know how I know that? He loves me. You know how you know that? He loves you. And so Jesus is the friend of sinners. And I love that. But all too often we stop right there. And in reality, Jesus is a friend of sinners. But Jesus is also a friend of the saints. And he loves the prostitute, and he loves the prophet. He loves the thief, and he loves the preacher. And God's will is simply this, that none should perish. That is, his, that is the Lord's will for us. Second Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Say, he's being patient for my sake. He, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Look at your neighbor and say, that includes you. So here we have this situation, and, and I don't want to keep you long today, where a leper and Jesus cross paths, where a sinner and Jesus cross paths. Path and when when that happens, you can only you can only uh, uh, know where the story is going to go. You know something happens when Jesus crossed paths with people. So here's my first point, and you've heard me say this a lot, and I don't know why the Lord keeps reiterating this to me, but I, I, I don't know if God is trying to to position us and trying to set us in a direction here. But here's my first point: your faith will position you for a miracle. So I have a friend in California, and, uh, and uh, his name is Jeff Hooker. And Jeff Hooker went on a trip with me one time to go speak at a camp. I, t I was able to take a, a, a group of kids with me to go speak at a camp, and he helped with the worship team, and he's a musician, and he's a great kid, and, and I love him to death. He's a punk kid that lived down the street from me, and God did a radical change within him. And 
we went on this trip, and I remember before we got on the flight to come home, we had a great trip, great camp, and we're able to do some fun things. Before we got on the flight to go home, I remember sitting there with all the youth and everybody, and I said, I said, you know, as many times as I've flown, I've never, ever flown first class. And we were talking about it, and they were like, well, what's it like? And I said, I don't know. I'm not that bougie. I don't know what it is to, to, to sit up there and know if you fly first class, good for you. Um, but I've never been able to do that. And, um, but check this out. We were sitting there, and the, the lady got on the intercom, and she said, I need Jeff Hooker to come to the desk. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, because he was like 16, 17 years old. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to be going up there because something ain't right here, you know. And so she brought him up there and she said, we have this issue. A lady had to, to, to book, a, book a ticket for her and her small child and, and we didn't have enough seats. And so she had to book her, her flight. Uh, her ticket seat was up in first class, and her small child was in um, uh, coach or normal, and, and it just happened to be sitting right next to Jeff. And she is willing, Jeff Hooker, to trade seats with you so she can be by her baby. Jeff, do you want to move to first class? Yes, I do. punk kid, got to go up to first class, and I remember he looked back at us, and he had his warm towel, and he did tell the story that when he got off the plane, uh, off the plane, I was, he was, <laughs> he told the story, he said he was sitting there next to a guy, I guess it was a business traveler, and he was sitting there, and, and uh, you know, and he said, the guy next to him said, how do you like, like this seat, he said, Man, I'm, I'm happy to be here right now. He goes, I I've never been here before. And he said, well, I didn't get mine by the lottery. I paid for mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so, but sometimes because of his seat number, because of the position of his seat, he was able to move up. And, and same thing goes for us. Because of the position of our faith, God can move in our lives if we allow him to. Um, and here's the thing, the guy, this leper, it was do or die time with him. It was either get up and go take a risk and go find this man that he's heard about that can heal people and, and take the risk of running through town and going to find Jesus and be out in the middle of public and maybe hiding and not constantly going unclean, unclean, so everyone will scatter. But he took a risk. It is do or die time. Uh, have you ever had your back against the wall? Had no choice but to push forward. I don't know. I, I there's. I think a very similar story is in Mark chapter five, with the woman with the issue of blood. This is a woman who had had a struggle for many many years, and her back was against the wall. And when your back's against the wall, sometimes all you can do. And she didn't even have the ability. She crawled to get to Jesus because the crowd was so great, and she fought her way to Jesus. And some of you, some of us, and need to remember. In the struggle, some of us right now in our situations, you may feel like you're fighting, but all you're doing every day is you're getting up and you're getting a little bit closer to Jesus. And I want to tell you, press on until you get to him. Uh, I love that. So many times we complain about God not, uh, uh, we complain about God, about him not changing our situation. But yet we sit on our backside and don't do anything about it and have no faith. So many times we, we, we do that. God 
bless my finances, and uh, my finances are down and my blood pressure is high. Anybody ever been there? Well, let me ask you this. Are you tithing? Are you giving sacrificially to the Lord? What about this? Oh, my marriage is falling apart. Oh, we have a marriage conference coming up. I'm going to add that in there. My marriage is falling apart, and I don't know why. Well, are you going to church? Are you serving God with all your heart? Are you, are you looking for counseling? Have you prayed with your spouse? I love that. But just like the woman with the issue of blood, we have to push through sometimes. It's not always easy. And like the leper, he had to get up and make a decision. You know what? I could sit out here outside this gate, but I know that if I can get to Jesus, I can make my plea with him. James 4, 8, and I said this earlier, draw nigh to God or run to God and he'll run to you. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. That is a promise. Let me rephrase, let me say that again. That is a promise of God. Can I tell you this? When you run towards God, when you take a step towards God, he'll run towards you. That's what he does. And so your faith moves the Lord. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, your faith moves the Lord. All right. Here's the second one. His touch will change you. I told you we're going to be really, 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 really simple today. His touch will change you. Everyone say, his touch will change you. Verse 13, verse 13 says this. Jesus reached out and he did what? He touched him. He says, I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. I don't know about you. If Jesus did that with me, I would be astonished and amazed. And he does the unthinkable in those days. Think about this. He doesn't speak to the, the leper. He doesn't just uh, speak to him, but he actually goes out and he literally does the unthinkable and touches an unclean leper. Remember, that was taboo. You didn't do that. Matter of fact, it, it, you know, if you, if you accidentally touched a leper and maybe you didn't get leprosy, you still had to go through this atoning, clean, cleansing process before you could be around people. And so Jesus does the unthinkable. He doesn't just speak to the situation. He actually touches the situation and he heals the man. And I love that. And Jesus didn't say, hey, leper. You know, he doesn't have a name, but it, it, the Bible doesn't name him. But he doesn't look at him and just say, hey, leper, you, you need to go to seminary. And now you need to go to Bible college, and you have to serve in an overseas mission. And you've got you to you gotta work with the youth department. And he, he didn't do that. He simply said, uh, you want to be clean? Here it is. I am willing. That's a word for somebody today. That's a word for somebody today. Said, I believe, I believe that you may be feeling polluted, you may be feel, feeling tainted by sin. Anybody ever felt that way? Maybe there's a habit that you have and you're struggling and, and it's killing you and, and you know you need to let and maybe that habit has, has a grasp on you today. Can I tell you there, there is a moment if you'll just say, Lord, I want to be clean. Jesus is saying, be healed and be clean today. We talked about the blood of Jesus. We sang about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus changes us. I'll never understand how red blood can, can wash a black heart and wash it white as snow. But Jesus' blood does that. And, it, and Jesus will touch you. And here's what I know. This is what I know. When Jesus changes you, 
when you have a real response to Jesus, you won't go back. You won't go back. The situation that you are in, whatever it is, the sin that you want, when you have a real, how many remember the day that you got saved? How many remember the day that you got up and you felt like the burden was lifted off of you? I talked to someone this week, and, and they're in a transitional position, and, and they, they said, I feel like a heavy burden was lifted off of me this week. And that's what happens when we come to know Jesus. The burden of sin that weighs us down, that tries to kill us, that tries to just, you know, make you feel like nothing. When we come to know Jesus, when we invite him into our heart, it is lifted up off of us. God does the heavy lifting. Aren't you glad for that? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Uh, too many times, goodwill people try to walk with sinners and eventually are plagued by the sins that these sinners, they walk with. I talked a little bit about that uh, on Wednesday, and I talked about it last, I believe, last week, and I, about being chameleons. God's not called the people of God to be chameleons in this world, that w when we come into the church, we look like Christians. When we get out of the church and we go about our week and we go to work, that we start looking like the world. God has called us to be separate, to be apart, to be a holy, uh, a peculiar people, a set-apart people that is not like this, to be uh, in this world but not of this world. So uh, how often in our lives uh, do we know that God wants to heal us, but oftentimes we doubt his willingness to do it? Anybody ever had a little bit of doubt in your heart? Anybody ever doubted God? Am I the only person in here who's ever doubted God? All right. You know, there's been moments in my life. But what I've found, what I've found out in my life is that, you know, oftentimes in my life, uh, I question if God is willing to do certain things. But really, the truth is God loves you. God wants what's best for you. God wants to move on your behalf. But oftentimes, it's my doubt that is keeping him from moving in my life. I talked about positioning yourself. Um, God, I know you can fix my situation, but I, I just don't think you want to. Anybody ever said that? All right. I, I have in my life. And as believers, we have to stop putting God in our box. That, and, and we do this as believers. We put him in a box and we say, hey, God, you're getting tired or he doesn't want the best for me and he doesn't want to do these things. Let me tell you, get, let God out of your box. He's bigger than your box. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says this, have you Never heard. Have you never understood? Catch that out. He's catching your attention. The writer here is catching your attention. He's saying, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all earth. Look at this. He never grows weak he, or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But look at this. But those who trust 
and the Lord will find new strength. Scripture says this, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me put it to you another way. That translation is a little bit different. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I believe God's given me a sermon next week, and I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm really working on it. I, I think next week I'm going to talk to you guys about waiting patiently on the Lord. Um, I don't know. I just felt, I don't know why I needed to tell you that, but I felt like I needed to tell you that. Look at your neighbor. Say, next week, be here. I'm talking about waiting. When God touches you, you are forever changed. How many are forever changed because you made a commitment to know Jesus? How many are walking different than you did before you, you knew Jesus? Amen. How many love the Lord more today than you ever have? Amen. I, I tell you what. I, amen. There is freedom in the Lord's touch. There's freedom in the Lord's touch. Here's my last point. I'm going to ask the musicians to come down here quickly. Quickly. Come on down. Uh, come on. Run. Run. Third point here, and this is a powerful, potent point right here. Third point, your testimony will precede you. So the leper, remember, he put himself in a position. He, he left the outer courts of the city, went into the city to find Jesus because he knew Jesus was there. He took a risk. He said, what have I to lose? I'm going to run. I'm going to go down here. I'm going I'm I'm to do what I need to do to get to where Jesus is. He took that risk, and there he was. And then when he saw Jesus, he fell down, and he said, Lord, if you are willing, will you heal me? And, God, and Jesus said that day, I am willing be healed. And Jesus touched him. But look at this. The last part of this is your testimony will precede you. Has anybody ever had something good happen in your life? Maybe you got moved up to first class and you didn't deserve it. Jeff, I hope you're watching online. I'm, I'm not bitter. Maybe you got a new car. You get a new car, right? Hey, look at my new car. Smells good inside. Maybe you got a new house. Yeah, I got to go tell everybody. Maybe you got a new job. I got a new job. I got a raise. Maybe you're getting married. I'm getting married. Right? When we, when we ha something good happens to us, we got to let people know. And that's okay. We got to tell somebody. We, we, we tell people. We love to tell the good things that are happening in our lives. We do it all the time. But check this out. So Jesus heals the leper. He places his hands on him and gives, touches him. And then he gives them some, just, just almost some, some restricting directions here. In verse 14 it says, then Jesus instructed him to tell to not to tell anyone what had happened. Shh. Don't tell anyone. 
go to the priest, let him examine you, take, take along your, the offering required in the law of Moses. For those who have been healed of leprosy, remember I talked about that, Leviticus 14, uh, this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus says, hey, don't just go marching and yelling it through the streets. I, I want you to do this. I want you to go to the priest, and I want you to go through this process that, that, that you're supposed to go through. And some of you might be able to find it. I don't know. I, I couldn't find it. This is the first man that I could think of in the Bible who was told to go see a priest to be examined and to go through the cleansing process since the inception of the law of Leviticus chapter 14. The only other, you know, I, Naaman was cleansed as a leper, but he was the commander of a Syrian army, so he, he wasn't a, a follower of Jewish law, so he wouldn't have done that. But can I tell you, before you had a problem, look, look at me, before you had a problem, God had an answer. Before whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever that is, no matter how big it is, how small it is, God had an answer for you. He was setting things up that would give him glory through your situation. 1,200 years before this leper existed, God spoke to Moses to write a law dealing with the cleansing of the lepers of skin, uh, of skin diseases that would be, in fact, be a testimony to the grace of Jesus Christ and the goodness of Jesus. I love that. God orchestrates things. He knows what he's doing. He puts things in order. And look, look at this. If Romans 2.11 says God is not a respecter of persons, right? And if, if he's not a respect, respecter of persons, uh, you know, if, if God will orchestrate something for a nameless leper that is put into the Bible, what makes you think that God didn't orchestrate the answer to your situation today? love that. I, I, I do. He's not, he's not restricted. I'm here to declare today that he cares about you and your situation that you're dealing with. And he's wanting to move on your behalf. Verse 15 says this. But despite Jesus' instruction, the report of his power spread even faster. Jesus told him, say, shh, go to the priest. Go through that process. But word got out. Sometimes word gets out, right? And, and and so the report of his power spread even faster, and the vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So we know that Jesus would do that after oftentimes he would be with the crowd. He would go and, and pray alone. It doesn't say, uh, but we can only hope that a man was working his way to the priest or made it to the priest, but the goodness of God's grace and mercy cannot be contained, and it, and it spread like wildfire. The man had been healed by Jesus. It, it just happened. Can I tell you something? Some of you need to be reminded of this. Some of you may, may feel like a leper. Some of you were a leper, but there is power in your testimony. I don't care if you've been saved 500 years in here and you're 561 years old. God bless you. Glad you're here today. Your testimony has power. Believer, your testimony has power. There's power in your testimony today. Saints, seasoned saints, Christians, we ought to be careful not to let our testimonies 
not to let our testimonies get quiet or die. And some of us need to dust them off and tell people how God saved you, how God delivered you from drugs. Some of you say, oh, I'm ashamed of, of what happened. I'd say, you need to let someone know there's someone that may be depending on you. You need to tell people how God set you free from depression. And you need to tell people how God saved your marriage. And you need to tell people how he set you free from lust and the bondage of, of sin. And people are going to be drawn to Jesus because of your testimony. Bria just told me she has a testimony. You have a testimony. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Just If you'll just be patient with me in just a moment. Revelation, you know how to defeat Satan? You know how to defeat Satan? Revelation 12, 11 says this. Look, I want you to look at the verbiage of this. And they, and they, talking about you, talking me, they have defeated him, talking about the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And some of you need to testify. Him in that verse being Satan, Diablo, the devil. Are you saved? Been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Check. Have you testified how God saved you? <gasps> and I believe that the church would have more overcoming power in the Lord if we begin to testify again. It's simple. Tell someone your testimony. Tell them how Jesus brought you out. And this is what I know. When God touches you, maybe you're in this situation today. Maybe you're like the leper. And you don't know what to do. And let me tell you, position yourself to get to Jesus. And then when you get to Jesus, let him touch you. And when God touches you, your testimony will precede you. Amen. Do you believe that today? You've heard me tell this story many, 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 many times. And I'm going to give you the short version. But how God saved me. And I'll never forget, when I was 15 years old, I was at a conference. Large building. Uh, many people there. And we went with our church. And sitting in the balcony with our church. And I remember this guy spoke. And I remember being up there. And I remember feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit gripping my heart while this guy was speaking. And he made an altar call. And I remember thinking, I need to go down there to that altar today. I need to position myself like the leper. I, I need to get from, I've been, I've been on the outside. I, I need to get to Jesus. I need to, I know what I need to do. And I remember fighting in my mind. Going, what, 
what will the what will the people of the church say about you? You're you're the you're the pastor's son. What are they going to think when you go down to the altar? They're going to say, "Oh, something's wrong with him." And and I begin to in my mind fight. I don't want them to think that there's something wrong with me. I'll just sit here, Lord, and I'll just quietly make a confession right here in my seat. I'll do that, and I'll never forget, I, I was making every excuse not to move, and I'll never forget, it, it was the Holy Spirit. This speaker looked exactly where I was in the balcony, and he pointed right to me, and he said, you're making every excuse that you can, and you need to come down here, and I'll never forget, I didn't do anything, I just felt my feet get up, and I just started bawling, and I just like, get out of my way, get out of my way, and I had to make that moment, and from that moment, I was forever changed. It was number one because I, like this leper, I, I had some sin in my life, and I had to position myself in faith and say, God, I need to, and I had to meet Jesus where he wanted to meet me. And then when I went down there, I said, God, I'm sorry. And you know what? He, he touched me, and the blood of Jesus began to forgive me and begin to cover me. God, I'm sorry. And today, I stand here today, a cleansed person, free from sin. I share my testimony with you. I know you've heard it a hundred times. It's the only one I got. I'll make up another one sometime. One time I was in the circus. No, I'm just kidding. But I believe, I believe this right now. Faith is being charged in this room right now. And the Holy Spirit's moving in the hearts of, of lives. And God's love is calling. He's wooing you today.